to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. Today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 23, Skin of Evil. What do you think about this episode? Well, the fact that it took us like three times watching this episode to really piece together what we wanted to say, it's not a great episode. It could have been great, and I see where they were going with it, and we can talk about this, of course, but I feel like the ending really let us down. There was something really unsatisfying about the episode as a whole. I was even more reticent to talk about it than I am about Admiral episodes, which I hate. Dun, dun, dun. I didn't hate this one. There was just something, just seemed like a chore to discuss it. It was a bit of a chore to watch, I thought. It wasn't entertaining. No, I wasn't entertained through some of it. Some of it I really liked, actually. So I was mildly entertained, I guess. They were trying not to entertain Armis, but they forgot to entertain us at the same time. (laughs) I really liked the philosophical debates with Picard and Armis, Deanna and Armis. You know, Deanna was drawing him out emotionally, and then Picard came in and was taking the rational approach with what happened. You know, he was really sussing out, like, the details and the whys and the future possible actions of Armis where Deanna was focusing on where that left him emotionally. And they're a great team together. It's nice to see them working together. I think that's the strongest points of the episode, is when they're doing the philosophical elements and having that really great conversation between the protagonist and the antagonist. While the rest of it, the trappings around it, the ending scene and the beginning opener that didn't really go anywhere, that's where the episode really struggled, I think. As I always say, the idea was great, but in this episode, I mean something a little bit different. I think they did execute the core idea they were going for, where the crew of the Enterprise is up against this one entity, and they're having trouble figuring out his motivations, and they have to try to work around him, and ultimately, it seems like a simple problem, but it causes them a lot of trouble, a whole episode's worth of trouble. But the episode just felt a little thin. Like, it maybe could have used a B-plot. They could have prolonged the philosophy section, (laughs) if you will. They had such a momentous event with Yar's death. It didn't feel appropriately momentous. I agree. Yar's death would have fit better if they had built up to it more midway through the episode, like halfway through it. They started that plot with the dilithium crystals, and they didn't really go anywhere with that. They could have prolonged that, and that could have been our like starter B-plot that sort of melded and merged beautifully into the A-plot about 10 minutes further into the episode. Oh, I just had a thought. One of the things they could have done, we did discuss a little bit before recording that they could have had Deanna's shuttle crash, and then the Enterprise took some time to catch up because of the crystals not being in place. But mostly that would just result in kind of a reorganization of the same things that happened. One of the things they could have done was have Yar on the shuttle too. Mm. They crash on the planet. Stuff's happening. They're trying to deal with it alone. And Yar still gets killed, but no one else is there. 
And then Deanna is trying to deal with that alone. Adds to her emotional state. She's panicked. She's overwhelmed. She's crying. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And then you could have Yar being reckless and very rash. She was kind of reckless, but not as much as they could have sold it with her being trapped in the shuttle. Well, the recklessness she had would have made more sense if she were the primary person trying to deal with the situation. Yeah, I agree. The stress just cracked her, and that would explain why she would do something foolish, kind of unprovoked almost. Just rushing across trying to get to the shuttle without any sort of thought. Or permission. That too. She had two people above her there? Yeah. They had Riker, first officer, Data, second officer. Yeah. She shouldn't have been trying anything in an unknown situation without checking with them. I agree. That's actually a good point about the episode. They didn't rely on a lot of big plot points. It's just like a big thing happens and then it kind of devolves around that. So it's character driven and the character interactions is what keeps the momentum going. That is what I'm saying. And that may be part of the problem with the episode. It hinges on character development, but the main character that they're dealing with the loss of doesn't have a great character definition. Yeah, she's probably one of the least developed characters, and when they even tried to develop her in previous episodes, oftentimes the scenes were a little bit out of left field, kind of awkward, didn't know what they were trying to get at with her character. We've talked about this before, but Worf being the security officer makes a lot of sense. And having her as a security officer, you have two characters that are basically fulfilling the same function, and you really don't need both. Now, I know that the reason why she left is because the actress decided she wanted to try other things and went on to try to do more stuff. That was her decision. That's what she did. So that's what happened. That being said, from a plot and a character point, I think that it makes a lot of sense, like I said, having Worf now be the chief of security. And I really like that he's fulfilling that role. And that allows him to become a more dominant character on the bridge, and it allows him to have more of a character arc going into the future. I feel like the writers intended her to be the person at the beginning. And Worf, we've talked about how we were shocked, actually, when we started rewatching the show, how little Worf features in the first few episodes. Maybe even when they were starting to give him more episodes, like that one with the other Klingons where it's really about him, maybe that's when they actually already knew that Denise Crosby was leaving and they realized Worf was going to be their stand-in. Because I think they wrote in a lot of his background details as an afterthought. And then it ended up that he was similar because he was actually being written to replace her, like gradually built up over the season. Interesting. Well, we already touched on how the dilithium crystal thing was just picked up and dropped. <laughs> without, Completely dropped. Without any fanfare. Right. They could have done so much with that. First of all, hey, we got a new chief of engineering. Is that like a new guy? I guess. He was a lot like the one who was giving Jordy a hard time in Arsenal of Freedom. Oh, that's right. But we went back and checked and it's not the same guy. They look similar, too, the actors. And they act similar. Yeah, they do. <laughs> They're both a little bit, how do you say, jerks? They're just pompous. That's what it is. Anyway, I mean, they established that they were working on the crystals. They showed them carrying around these big crystals. <laughs> Crystal equals hunks of quartz, apparently. Yeah, it was a laughable visual. <laughs> we did laugh. Both times. All three. All three times, yeah. <laughs> and then... Captain Picard, once he hears about the shuttle, wants the engines working. 
So then it's like, oh man, maybe the engines won't work. And the engineer is doing this thing that the computer is telling him not to do and aligning the crystals by hand. Building tension, building plot. Yeah, and then it continues to build tension because then he tells Captain Picard, okay, we're good, but minimum warp. And then Captain Picard is like, warp eight, full steam ahead. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, uh, do I even matter to you? Like, why am I talking? And Picard is like, that's an order. Over and out. <laughs> yeah, he said, I said minimum, Captain. Uh, yeah, but all that goes nowhere. How cool would it have been foil to Picard being like, we're doing this now. And then the whole thing goes, womp, 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 womp. It just doesn't work. I love it that everything Picard does is perfect. But yeah, honestly, that probably would have been good character development at this point. He needs to listen to his crew members instead of always knowing best. I think so. They're almost setting him up to know and be too perfect. He charged forward because he's concerned, obviously, about this crashed shuttle. Having the actual warp not work. That would have been so much more compelling, and it would have built the tension even more. Meanwhile, like you said, we could have Tasha and Troy dealing with the shuttle at the same time. Tension over there, tension over here, and then everything kind of comes to a head about 10 minutes into the episode. That's when, after being rash, you get Yar being killed. Then they get to the planet. Then they find out that Yar is killed, and we can go forward from there. Basically the same episode, but because we have an extra 10 minutes of material here, we can cut down on the end scene. Then Picard could have actually broken it, where if he could have just waited a few more minutes, everything would have been fine. But he cost them all this time, and they're limping along to the planet at impulse power. And he could have been wrestling with that. Then simultaneously, your point where Yar messed up when she's on her own and can't handle it. And the whole episode could have been them acting arrogantly, which is a theme they like a lot in Star Trek. True. The consequences of pride. So the episode could have been a lot more about them dealing with the aftermath of their prideful decisions. Meanwhile, they have this creature that's entirely born of pride and how evil that is. We talked about how it's character-driven. It could have been more character development, a lot more satisfying, if it had been slightly different. I agree. And then it would have been Picard's fault that Yar is killed, and then he has to deal with the responsibility of his actions. And that paralleled with Armis's story and his anger and rage and pride, that parallel is so much stronger. The theme of the episode comes together and is even reinforced by the simple plot change. Maybe that's the problem. The episode doesn't have a theme. The way they wrote it, they kind of shied away from pushing it all the way forward. Themes are important in Star Trek, I think. They really drive the characters and they drive the plot along. All the strong episodes have a strong theme. Well, they end up sending the away team down, and they immediately confront this oil slick that's moving, and it seems to be sentient. Data is basically saying it's alive, but can't prove it. They just dealt with this in home soil with the LED light creatures. Yes. Why are they, why won't they accept this? Riker is so annoyed, he still hasn't fully come to terms, apparently, with the LED light creatures. (laughs) He's traumatized. He's not having it. If it doesn't have neurons, then forget it. Yeah, they just had this episode about the same topic, and they all seem surprised that there's this sentient being that has elements they can't identify. What? I just don't get it. When they're going out in the galaxy and just purposely going places they don't know about, and then they're always shocked when things happen that they're not prepared for. 
they're going farther than anyone has gone before, sort of the premise. I know that's really the original series, but ideally, I think they're even going farther than that Yeah. with their increased warp capabilities. Oh, they can go so much farther in the same amount of time. Yet, they're surprised constantly. It's okay the first time, because then you're establishing that these characters are human and expecting things and have certain assumptions or biases. That's not a bad thing. It's just when you do it over and over and over again, it's not as strong. And it comes off very, very weak and bad writing. It makes sense that they don't know about this. That's not what we're saying. Compared to a lot of the other aliens in the show, humans are really, really recent to the intergalactic stage. And they just don't have this built-up knowledge. But they also don't seem to think they have gaps, which of course they do. They just are like, well, it's not in the computer. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This is just not happening in front of me. If the tricorder doesn't say it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's got to be in your intergalactic travel guide or it doesn't exist. It's also clear that they're not having a thorough enough exchange of knowledge and ideas with the other cultures that they're subsuming into the Federation. I agree. They should have a much larger database especially on the outer reaches, they should be accessing those files and trying to learn everything that they can from these other species on the fringes. Or at least feed it to the computer so they can look it up when it's relevant. But some of these other play I mean, they are ancient, a lot of these other races. They must have a lot of information. It seems like they're not really willing to share. You have the Vulcans not really giving a lot of information or knowledge to the humans. Klingons are warlike and they're protective of their secrets. Ferengi are after prophets. Only so many species at this point. There's a lot of them, but, you know, major races that are reoccurring in Star Trek. I meant more some of these single planet species that are actually, like, happy to join the Federation. Gotcha. They might not have as much information as the Romulans, but if the Federation patched all that knowledge together, they would have a lot of information, especially about the fringes, because presumably that's where a lot of these races live, right? Because that's where they haven't been affected by the Romulans or the Klingons, on the edges of stuff. That's a great point. They should be putting their knowledge base better together. They're visiting these places, but not capitalizing on the information, just regional, local stuff, like nearby star systems, more information about the planets, mm-hmm. science stuff, anything like that. Who knows what they would glean from that they don't that's the problem human hubris is at it again dun 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 <laughs> so okay they start talking to armis they have fundamental philosophical disagreements they believe all life has the right to exist and he just doesn't care he doesn't care no he's chaotic evil he just does what he feels like in the moment very joker like mm-hmm. just wants to watch the world burn and he is toying with them throughout this whole exchange, which then leads to Yar being rash. Riker is getting really, really tense about it, really short with everyone. That may be part of what inspires Yar to just go for it because she's like feeding off her commanding officer's impatience. Yeah. I think he's so tense because it's Deanna who's possibly dead. I mean, at the opening of the episode, he was smiling and seemed excited to see her. In the Binars episode, once Minuet is not an option, maybe real human emotional connection is something that would be good for him again. And it seems like he's looking for her to fulfill that need once more. Well, it definitely seems like they, the writers, are reestablishing Troy and Riker's connection. Yes. 
In the shuttle, she is crying out Mzadi, reestablishing that she has this deep-held emotional connection to Riker when Armis captures him later on and is torturing him. And that plays into the writers trying to reestablish that connection, as you said. I like how they still haven't explained the full cultural significance of Imzadi. A lot of times they take the shortcut and just directly exposit those kind of things. Right. But this Imzadi thing, you know, has been woven in since the very first episode. Woo! Encounter Farpoint. Our fave. <laughs> yeah, you just get more and more sense of how special that relationship is and what that means to them. It's surprising they're not so together. They really have these deep feelings for each other. It's one of those, will he, will she, can't really talk it out. It's the unspoken truth. And they're not willing to admit the fact that they have this connection. They're in love with each other. And they can't bring themselves to say that. We know more, of course, because we've seen the whole show. Even in this episode, episode 23, it's already reached the point where you're wondering, like, if they're Imzadi, why aren't they together? So Yar gets herself killed. She does. It's short. No fanfare. She rushes forward three steps. Zap. She's gone. I like that. That's tragedy in the field. You know, just one minute they're fine and the next minute dead. Yeah, that works for me. Mm-hmm. That's fun. No dramatic death. No last choking breaths, gasping or anything like that. Well, she comes back from beyond the grave to impart her last words. <laughs> yeah, right. we'll get there. Don't worry. Anyway. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's really good. A lot of times TV deaths are really built up. They choke something out. She just dies. So then we see Troy talking to Armis. Good stuff. She knows Yara's dead. I definitely thought Ben was dead. He looks pretty dead. Yeah, he's laying there over the console the whole episode. Doesn't move. No. Clearly unconscious, bleeding out. I thought for sure Picard was going to say, yep, he's dead. I get they didn't want him to be part of the action. But he had the classic, I'm dead, but don't show their face. Yeah, definitely Uh in that. He's dead pose. Exactly. (laughs) So she starts to tease out what motivates him. He's trying to get some feeling, basically, by toying with them, other than what he's been feeling, which is this abject despair. Rage. Yeah, for thousands of years or something. But it doesn't work. Playing with the crew doesn't, doesn't do anything for him. It's too easy. He just snaps his fingers and kills Yar. can just grab the phaser and make data pointed at whoever he wants. He mm-hmm. can drag Riker into the slick of oil really easy it's not satisfying to do something that you can do effortlessly it's much more rewarding to work hard at something and then you accomplish it and then you feel great you snap of your finger eh. little emotional blips he might get from something like that don't do enough to take away from what's consuming him we did forget to mention the ridiculous looking blood splotch on yar's cheek oh the scene in the sick bay was great Beverly was acting really well. It felt great. And then every time they panned her face with that blood splotch, threw me right out of it. It reminded me it was a TV show. That was really bad prosthetics or a paint, maybe face paint. And to contrast that, throughout the episode, we have Troy, who has that sort of blemish or mark on her cheek the entire time. And that looked very natural and organic. Then you go back to yarn, big splotchy thing. I mean, Gates McFadden is giving a fantastic performance. She's trying to save Yar's life. It's serious. Brent Spiner is giving this wonderful, curious look the entire time. 
Patrick Stewart is looking concerned like he should. Everyone's acting in the moment is really on point. Then you see the blood splat and you're like, oh, really? That's the best you could do? And the point is it's highly stylized and it doesn't fit. Right, with the realism of the rest of the episode. It doesn't even look accidentally unrealistic, though. Right. It's very strange. I don't know what they were doing. Unless it was supposed to be some kind of mark the thing left on her. It was weird. It was very weird. If it was black, it would have looked better. Because then it could have been like a little bit of the creature. Yeah. They have an officer's meeting because Yara's dead. They're all really upset and arguing. They're all very quick to want to defend Yara to say that it was unprovoked that Armas attacked her, which comes off a little defensive. I think it was provoked a little bit. I would say so. He said, don't go across, and she just charged ahead. It was at least unwise. Wisdom is not her strong suit. Picard says they don't have time. He makes Worf security officer. Yay! Woo! And then Worf immediately, he's taking his job super seriously and refuses to go back on the planet, saying like, he needs to be tactical, basically, and stay on the ship and observe what's happening instead of provoking violence. Totally against his instincts as a Klingon, but very impressively wise. Great contrast to former chief of security. I agree. I like how much they showed he was capable of being security officer. Jumped right into that. like the way they wrote that whole sequence. Picard taking command, sort of owning the responsibility of the moment. We're going to deal with this emotional state later. We're going to push through right now and do our jobs and then try to get everyone else safely back home. And he took the leadership role really seriously, as he always does, and did a great job. So they're just talking about how Armis is beyond them. He's controlling their force fields. Weapons don't work on him, etc. So they go back to poke him again. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure why they went back down again the second time. I can understand they need to send some of them back down, but they sent everybody down there again. Oh, well, that's just a general show flaw to send everyone. That's true. Yeah. Riker said they needed to get back down there to figure out exactly what he wanted, which is true. They hadn't figured that out yet. That's true. I understand bringing Jordy because he has his visor. I guess Data has the tricorder, but Will could do that. Beverly makes sense, so they could have just left Data on ship, I think. They should leave Data on ship. He's too valuable. He'd be a great, like, networking data person, and he could have did what Wesley ends up doing this episode, which is watching the force field. A very important job, by the way, that they just give Wesley. Well, Worf is running that. He is. But Worf gives Wesley the job to set the transporter to beam out at a certain point in the energy field. Right. Which, yeah, that was seriously important. Crucial to get right. He should not have given it to Wesley. Unfortunately, their transporter expert is dead. <laughs> they have shown that Yar was the person who would step in when it was really important or touchy with the transporter. She had some kind of expert certification or something in that. That's right. I've forgotten that. Yeah, it was a small detail, but they did have it come up a couple times. Sure, sure. Nice consistency. So yeah, they don't have that anymore. <laughs> so I guess it's just a free-for-all with the transporter. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so Troy's starting to get to his problem, but then the away team comes back and Beverly talks to her, just basically establishes that she's alive. Make sure that she's okay. She establishes, I think, that Ben, the pilot, is not doing well, and they have a quick chat. It was great to see Troy peeling back the layers of Armis, figuring out that he was abandoned and getting to that despair. It was great to see her using her empathic powers 
but to learn and to pull information and then to use that information in the moment in real time and was able to even effectively communicate that information to Picard later in the episode. That was great. She did actually blow it, though, because she said she pitied him. And that's, he, right. that's when he got really mad. And that's when her time to communicate with him was over. Mm. Now, it was after that that then she was able to relay all that information to Picard. Right. But she is taking a step forward with actively trying to gain information and manipulate. Mm-hmm. But she's not great at it. Well, she's still learning. Yeah, it's just interesting that she didn't realize that pity would offend him. It's hard to know in the moment what she was thinking, emotional state. She is frazzled. She's just been in a big wreck. It makes sense. That's true. She's compromised. That she's compromised, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's cool. I do like how they're dynamic with her character, like showing her shine, but then showing her falter a little bit. It's not just inconsistent like with Yar. It's actually like believably dynamic. Within the realm of her character and yes. possibility. Yes. I agree. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I think this section is the strongest writing of the entire episode. Mm-hmm. The core idea, this is the core idea, this whole thing with Armis, this A plot is very good. So at this point, in order to distress Troy and punish her, basically, for pitying him, I think, Armis takes Riker hostage. Some great visuals there with Riker's face floating in the oil. Really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. But, okay, here's the thing, okay. Okay, break it down for us. This is when Picard beams down. Now, is he beaming down to save Will? Or is he beaming down to rub it in Will's face that without his first officer around, he can do whatever he wants and beam down to all the planets? And he'll enjoy himself, too, while he's there. What do you think? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I think he's just rubbing it in Will's face, his oily, oily face. That's amazing, (laughs) and that is what we're going with here on out. Mm -hmm. He is totally rubbing it in Will's face, yes. It's so funny, though, more seriously, okay? It's so funny that the away team's there, you're like, okay, they're doing their best. This is tough, right? Yeah, very tough. As soon as Picard gets there, it's like, okay, they're just the kids on the Enterprise. They have no idea what they're doing. Now Dad is here. And Armis, you know, immediately recognizes him as the leader, doesn't need an introduction. The entire mood shifts. Everything's focused on Picard now. Armis knows who's in charge. Okay, Armis is not people, but that's something people are really good at identifying is who's in charge. Yeah, no one can mistake that. Right. It's really cool to see everything change. Yes, I agree. The adult came into the room and then Mm -hmm. the whole atmosphere changed yeah it was electric and once he showed up you're like okay now it's gonna go down yeah now it actually the real stuff starts so he refuses to play with armis he's totally unruffled he gets to see troy he gets all the information and he gets his people back on the ship only by telling him no it's like a toddler parents think they're so helpless but if you just start telling them no they actually like listen to you it turns out Apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. It, <laughs> it worked for Armis, so. Yeah. Hey, there you go, parents. Tip <laughs> number one. <laughs> okay, watch this episode. The oil creature. Pretend that's your child, <laughs> and that's how you need to act. Go for it. He literally is sulking after Picard comes down and, like, establishes who's in charge. Completely. All his bullying is over. You know, it's like, kids, we're fighting, and then Picard's here, and everything's different. It's I great. Love it. it's, it's a great tonal ship. One of the other strong points. This whole section is the best part of the episode. Yeah, you can hear our enthusiasm even yeah. talking about it. It is the best part of the episode. And it's unfortunate that the rest of the episode couldn't support 
this middle section as well. Yeah. Yeah, they should have gotten Picard down there sooner, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, if what we had discussed happens with Yar getting hurt on the shuttle, then the big thing that happens when the away team first got there that kind of tipped off everyone to what Armas was like could have been Riker getting captured, and then Picard could have gotten down there sooner. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. That would have been good. That would have been better pacing as well, I think. Mm -hmm. More action-packed and better plotted. So it takes Picard to figure out what Armas really wants. He wants to leave the planet. He wants to go torment other people, possibly the ones who left him there. Maybe he's going to reintegrate with them. It doesn't really matter, and obviously they can't unleash him on the universe. (laughs) Or on the Enterprise. Just on the Enterprise would be too much, yeah. So I did notice, okay, in our third rewatch, so Armas says, can you get me out of here? And Picard is like, I have the means, but first you have to let me talk to my injured shuttle people. He never actually agrees. He just kind of acts like he is, but technically he didn't break any promises. He's so good. That was very subtle and well executed. Yeah, because, I mean, watching it once, you don't even remember if he actually said yes or not great diplomatic double speak he's really good at once again we see picard the diplomat in action so once tag team emotional rational troy and picard figure out armis's weakness it's pretty easy to get him upset and get down the force field because he's distracted by his pain and they just beam out like a boss picard proclaims his parting quote or wisdom yeah in your face and then just beams out of there And in our version, that would be the end of the episode. It just kind of (laughs) ends on this cliffhanger of how are they going to deal with the emotional fallout? What's going to happen now that Worf is the security officer? All of those things. It would have been great and pushed into the next set of episodes from this point. Unfortunately, that is not what happens in this episode. And we'll talk about that now. That's the end of the episode. Okay. Yeah, they don't care about Yar. Peace out. This has been season one, episode. Oh, wait. (laughs) Then something happens, something that was incredibly prescient in 1989. They walk in to Windows XP background image number one, (laughs) the gentle rolling hill with the blue sky behind. And the clouds. We've all dreamed of, really. Like, we can admit this, right? We've all drifted off to sleep. Imagining ourselves laying in the perfectly mowed grass, it somehow suggests the wilderness, but better kept. Too green, it's oversaturated. It's too green, the sky, too blue. (laughs) The clouds, too white. (laughs) Bad lyric. (laughs) (laughs) And similarly, Yar's unimaginative, yet terribly off-putting and unconventional funeral. Yes. Is also too blue, too green, and too wispy. (laughs) <laughs> all right so imagine that the random new chief engineering shows up at the funeral and then she has all these personalized oh Riker, you taught me this and that and the other but then the engineering guy doesn't actually get one of those awkward he's scarred for life he pilots the enterprise into a star if i can't get a eulogy message you're all going down with me kablooey <laughs> Little did she know what she had brought. That's so ridiculous. It's so contrived. It's so bad. I don't feel like they quite fully executed, as I always say, pretty much, the whole 
concept of Armus and him being the skin of evil and this one single problem, da 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 cool, could have been a little better, whatever. But this ending, what it's, happened? It's too long, first of all. Oh, yeah. Well, on our third rewatch here, I was like, okay, we can do it. You know, you want to turn it off, but you made me watch Admirals. So <laughs> I said no. 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 We you, have to watch the couldn't XP close your part. eyes. Had to be open. Had to be open. Yes. But then it just kept going on and on. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Why would a grown woman leave a eulogy for Wesley? I have no idea. It's so weird. So strange. I guess that moment with the drugs just really brought them together. <laughs> oh, 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 drug PSA oh, moment. No. Don't even bring that up. Oh, yes. It was just don't, as bad as this. It even... was those writers who wrote this part. <laughs> Maybe. It was those writers <laughs> on drugs writing this part. I hope so. They need an excuse. <laughs> okay, well, one thing I will say is she basically said Picard was her dad when in Hayden Q, if you'll recall... We had some strong words for her totally out of the blue flirtation with Picard. Yeah, and then she goes on to say she wants him to be proud of her. What? She was totally coming on to him. Does she want to be with him or does she want to make him proud? Like, what is their relationship and why is it so weird? The writers are making it strange. It's not unbelievable that she would be confused like that because of her childhood. Sure. Yeah, she's got some parental problems, relationship problems. Okay, but I don't know if this is a good venue to try to explore that. In the eulogy speech? No. No, especially just so randomly. Here's the overall problem. Let's get a little meta for a moment. Mm, The (laughs) The overall problem here is they are doing the classic thing of telling us how she feels. And yet, in none of the episodes have they shown any of these things. It's almost like the writers went through the bullet points of the characters' like deeper-held motivations and is now expositing them to us directly without having actually explored any of those bullet points in the previous episodes. Well, that's why every time she's on screen, we're complaining, like, where did this come from? Where did that come from with her character? We don't know. I think you're right. She's basically just saying bullet points about her character. That's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not entertaining. I don't know why they did this to her. They had enough time with her on screen that they could have shown a lot more. The only time she was just seemed genuinely just interested in someone was with Data when they had their episode three. Naked Now. Naked Now, where she's interested and then they end up having sex. Right. That seemed genuine. But he's just a friend with childlike innocence now. That was weird, too. She should have been like, Dana, you gave me the best night of my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you taught me what it means to be a woman. <laughs> that would have been way better. That would have been funny, at yeah, least. Yeah, it would have been funny. Dana would have done his little, like, head jerk thing. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way to go, Dana. <laughs> yeah, Dana. Jordy could have turned around and been, like, eyebrow raised, like, oh, oh. Dana. <laughs> He is fully functional, after no, all. We, we know. We saw that in the naked now. In your head. <laughs> I saw it. It was fine. <laughs> it just went on and on. Like us. We're imitating it so you guys can remember the pain. Also, she must have recorded this so recently, because she just met these people at the beginning of season one. Yeah. That's a classic TV problem. Yeah. They didn't need to do that. They even had the nice little moment where Data's trying to understand what a funeral is for. 
from a human perspective, which is great. Mm, very touching. They should have had that. They should have had Picard's little speech. I think something more dignified on the observation lounge, like looking out into the stars. Her mission in life was, you know, to protect those who explore the universe. Something more poetic. That would have been nice. You could even have a nice shot of them, like, ejecting a casket into space. Or ashes. Ashes would be fine. Yeah. Scattering. Yeah. That would have been beautiful. They could even have a special little room for that kind of thing, like funerals in space. Because funerals at sea are a thing, and everything else is modeled after that. Boats, they strongly draw on the human tradition of seafaring for the starships. They do. They could have had a nice ceremony. Picard says his thing. The ashes get scattered. Quick little touching data moment, and then roll credits. Okay. Data of the day. So, Armis is tormenting them. Making Data point his phaser at everyone. It's kind of cool the way Brent Spiner moves his arm. He finally has Data point the phaser at his own head and says, Tell me, Tin Man, how does it feel to face your own extinction? Curious. Great line. And then right after that, Data just throws down his judgment upon Armis. It's great, actually. (laughs) That is great. Yeah. He says he doesn't deserve to live. We've never heard him say that about anyone. Yeah, ooh, strong language. Strong language. From the data. Probably the worst thing he could say to someone. Final thoughts time? Final thoughts. In this episode, they had a strong A main idea. The idea was character-driven, as we mentioned. There was some really great moments to this episode in the form of Picard and Troy working together and seeing that. There was some really great data moments, as always. Data and Jordy's dynamic together when he's trying to help him find his visor, something we haven't mentioned. You have an interesting little spur at the beginning with the, the crystals. They could have explored that more, shortcoming of this episode. They definitely dropped the ball on the final eulogy scene. Very hard to watch, very hard to get through, and way too long. Overall, I didn't find this episode particularly entertaining to watch. Parts of it were great. About 20 minutes worth of the material was really good. The rest of it was just hard to swallow. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10 shields. Even after talking about this episode a lot, identifying weak points and proposing alternatives like we always do, I still don't know quite what it was about this episode. I did like Armis. I thought that was cool. I liked the single foe thing like I mentioned a couple times. Maybe because it was really about Yar. And I just never found her a compelling character, and I just couldn't care that she had been killed. I think we did kind of get to the point that they dropped the ball a little bit on the theme. It just was an unsatisfying episode. An unsatisfying episode with some good points, but didn't quite salvage the whole. So I would give it 5 out of 10 not-actually-dead shuttle pilots. This has been Season 1. Episode 23, Skin of Evil. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Yeah, we've all... Ian! Ian! Ian. Get down! No, no, no. When the podcast begins, the cats will play. Oh, such a show-off. What a show-off. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen. We don't do any paid promotion of this podcast, and your word of mouth helps us to grow our show. Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. 
That really helps us out. Thanks to everyone who listens regularly, and we'll be back soon with another episode.